following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. Our gracious Heavenly Father, that truly is our desire that the closer we get to you, the more we desire to be even closer. And so, Father, as you bring us to a place where we are planted higher, more in your image, closer to your desire for us, let us never grow complacent. Let us never grow to the place where we think that we have arrived, but let us ever be reaching higher and higher still. Would work in our midst this morning, that Father in heaven, you would draw us closer to you through the reading of your word, through the singing of your praises. And we'll be very careful, Lord, to give you all praise, all honor, and all glory for it, because you and you alone deserve it. We pray these things in your son's name and for his sake. Amen. Matthew, Matthew chapter 28 and Romans chapter 6. Don't forget I borrowed that. Matthew chapter 28, Romans chapter 6. And uh, we're going to take a look this morning. And a couple things as far as what we have, uh, what we have been going over starting last week, we began looking at church membership and what exactly church membership is and why we do it, what it all entails. Uh, one of the things that we're going to be looking at this morning is the topic of baptism. Baptism is uh, part of our uh, of our. Uh, Practices here, one of the ordinances, and we're going to look at that a little bit closer here, but Matthew chapter number 28, and if you've got your hand there and you want to flip over to Romans, move this just slightly away, Romans chapter 6, Matthew chapter 28. I want you to look with me starting in Matthew chapter 28, and then we're going to jump over to Romans 6. Matthew 28, we'll look at the last couple verses in in the book of Matthew here in verse 19. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now flip over, if you would, please, to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter 6. And look at uh, verse, starting in verse 3 with me, if you would, please. Know ye not 
that so many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Thank you. You may be seated. And so looking at the topic of baptism this morning specifically, as we get into these studies over the course of the next few weeks, oftentimes people ask me about church membership, why church membership, why is it important? Uh, what is it that, what does it mean to be a church member? And we started on that uh, last week. This week, we're going to start uh, by taking a look at two ordinances and uh, what exactly uh, the Word of God presents to us as far as uh, what it is that we do here. And I wanted to make sure that we looked at a couple things right at the get-go. Paul, speaking in the book of Romans, talks about us being buried with him in baptism, that we are crucified with Christ, and this uh, this death that we experience is the death to self, and we are raised to walk alive in him. And and there's there's a uh, oftentimes a misunderstanding uh, about what we do compared to what maybe some others might do, and we refer to baptism and the Lord's Supper, the two ordinances. Uh, as ordinances, we don't refer to them as sacraments. We don't believe that there's any saving grace to either baptism or the Lord's Supper. And so these two ordinances, there are only two ordinances within the local New Testament church, number one being baptism and number two being the Lord's Supper. Now the question then would come in, what exactly is an ordinance? Why do you refer to it as an ordinance as opposed to a sacrament? Well, a sacrament entails that there's something sanctifying or saving about that action. We don't believe that that's what's taking place when we are baptized or we uh, practice the Lord's Supper. An ordinance is something commanded by the Lord to his followers to do in obedience to him as their Lord. So this is where we we may differ with uh, other uh, other bodies. We don't uh, believe in baptism as being necessarily part of our salvation. Rather, we do it as a result. Those who have been born again by the Spirit of God follow the Lord in believers' baptism. And this is where we're going to start uh, this morning's uh, study. In understanding exactly what this is, let's look at what baptism is in itself really is. And so to define baptism, and by the end of this, hopefully we'll have a really good understanding of what baptism is, uh, the definition we're going to give of baptism is a command of the Lord for a believer to be immersed in water as a picture of the believer's death, burial, and resurrection with Christ that took took place at the moment of salvation. Now, Our Lord was masterful as far as his pictures were concerned. He was the master uh, picture drawer, storyteller, however you want to look at it. And he did a phenomenal job of letting us have these uh, little glimpses into what the bigger picture is by giving to us these small uh, 
illustrations. And baptism is exactly that. It's a it's an illustration of something that took place, but it goes a little bit more than just a simple illustration. It is actually a command of our Lord. Now, I want you to understand the first reference to Christian baptism, uh, not talking about John the Baptist or Christ's uh, baptism of repentance um, uh, because the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Not talking about that. I'm talking about believer's baptism. The first... Uh, uh, reference to that is found in the Great Commission, where Jesus said, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, by the Great Commission, it is meant that the Lord, prior to his ascension into heaven, gave a command. Look back again with me at Matthew chapter 28, and I want you to see the command that is given. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, there's an interesting thing about this. We need to kind of dissect it for just a moment before we go any further. The first part of this is the word go or the idea of when you're going or as you are making your way through life, this ought to be something that you are doing. So go purposefully and preach the gospel to every creature. Notice how how it says there in verse 19, go therefore and teach. What are we to teach? You know, I, I, I want to be careful here because I understand that teaching is something that we all do by and large. We, we have a student around us in some way, shape, or form. I mean, today's Mother's Day. Mothers teach, right? And your goal is to teach someone how to grow up and how to be in the, uh, uh, in this world, but not necessarily be of this world. And so understanding that baptism is part of the Great Commission, there's teaching that is involved in this. The Greek word kind of gives the idea of a lifestyle for this going. It assumes that the disciples are going to be on the move, and so uh, it's important for us to examine each part of this. Look at the next part. It tells us, go, <clears throat> go ye therefore and teach all nations. Those who were to be taught were those who were to be discipled. And so the Great Commission is simply this, go and make disciples. This is what we are called to do. We are called to make disciples. Now, every disciple made was to be marked in some way, shape, or form. And the marking is what we look at with this second part of the Great Commission. He says, go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them. And so what we want is to have a good understanding of exactly what this baptism is doing, what it's talking about, why we do it, what is it to be marked in some way, shape, or form. And so the exact mode and the precise meaning of the word baptism will be discussed here in just a moment. But here we are given the idea of doing something purposefully to, to, uh, uh, to sort of set apart or to designate something here. And then third, it was to be teaching them again. Notice that. Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. Now, here's where we are today. 
It's one thing for me to open up the word of God and teach you doctrine. But I am also commanded by the spirit of God to teach you to observe all things that have been commanded. And one of the commands that we come across here in Scripture is the command of be baptized. Now, let's look at this for just a minute. Because baptism, not only being part of the Great Commission, not only being that every disciple was to be marked through this baptism, but look at the third part of this. Baptism was the outward profession of what united them with the church. We can join churches because they have a great program or because we like their, uh, their music or we like their, um, uh, their children's ministries. We can join a church because they have uh, a pretty facility and they have comfortable chairs. Or we can join a church because something unites us to the rest of the people within that church. And that's what we hope, is not that we all have the same interests, but that there's something that unites us greater than what we enjoy in this life, and that is simply this, the person of Jesus Christ. This is where baptism comes into play. It is the outward profession we are associating, we are aligning ourselves with what we believe, what we claim to believe, and it goes hand in hand with that church that we are uniting with at that moment. So understanding what we're doing here, this baptism is not just something that we flippantly enter into. It's not something that we just jump on and just, well, you know, it looks fun to get dunked. You know, look, if I was just to get into the water just to get dunked, my hair would be a mess and we would have a bad day for the rest of us. It's not about that. It has everything to do with what baptism is picturing has everything to do with what baptism is showing. It's to be showing what's going on inside on the outside. Now, for those of you who may be nerds like myself, here's a little bit of uh, understanding into the word baptism. The Greek word is baptizen, transliterated baptizen. And so our word, our English word, baptized, is actually a transliteration of the word baptizen. And so to understand what baptizen means, it literally means to immerse, immerse. Um, I don't know why that says officers chosen from within. We'll move on. Must have left something in there. Pardon me. But notice, uh, notice this next part here. Uh, the, the understanding of what this word is teaching, there are several things from history that show to us this, uh, this idea of immersion or baptism. And let me give you, just read you a few uh, quotes. Joseph, uh, Josephus in his uh, Jewish Antiquities, uh, he refers uh, to um, this Greek word baptism being used in reference to drowning a person. Continually, he says, continually pressing down and immersing him while swimming as if in sport they did not desist until they had entirely suffocated him. This word for immersing is the word baptizen. In this example here, the word is used in reference for drowning an individual. Uh, the, uh, another one from uh, the Epistle of Amagulus, uh, it says, shall I not laugh at him who, having submerged his ship with much merchandise, then blames the sea for having engulfed it full laden? Uh, the word for submerged is the Greek word baptizen, completely sunk. This ship was uh, so heavy laden with goods that it sunk. Uh, 
below the surface of the water. Uh, another one, uh, Polybulus, uh, he refers to it. He says, they passed through, talking about Roman uh, foot soldiers, they passed through with difficulty, the foot soldiers immersed as far as to the breasts. This reference is interesting because it only refers to the portion that was submerged as the part that was below water. Um, uh, Pithecodes uh, says it this way. He says, for when the rest of the tackle uh, is toiling deep in the sea, in reference to a fisherman's net, he says, I, as a cork above the net, am undipped. The word was uh, the reverse of baptizen in the brine. And so he is, in a metaphoric sense, as a poet, he is referring to himself as not being below the water, but being above it. And he's using this same terminology. So the point with that is that even in a figurative sense, the word still means to immerse. So, of course, the, there are also helper words in this, but uh, look at the Greek word perhaps uh, that is found in Acts chapter 8, verse 38, in reference to Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, the Greek word that is given there is a word that gives the, it's the preposition for into. They go into the water. Uh, this is the word ace, but once you get something into, then you are now in the water. The preposition that is used there in Matthew chapter 3, verse 6, referring to being in. Uh, then you also talk about coming out of the water. Again, in Acts chapter 8, where you have Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, where he comes out of the water. Now, it's important for us to see this because I want us to catch the picture that is being presented in baptism. It's not about baptism just for baptism's sake, but it's all about what we are trying to depict through the practices that we hold. This is where the importance comes into play. See, baptism has been referred to as sprinkling and pouring. I believe this to be a faulty understanding. Because the doctrine of baptism, it completely detracts from the picture of what we're trying to show by simply pouring or sprinkling. And here's where we get really down to the brass tacks of the understanding. In Hebrews chapter 9, for example, the Greek word is used for sprinkling. Talking about the high priest, sprinkling. And in Revelation chapter 16, talking about the different vials and everything being poured, there was a word used for pour. But now I want us to understand not just about the word baptism, but I want us to understand about the practice of baptism and the why behind it. Notice with me, if you would, uh, go to Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter 2. Look toward the end of the chapter here, verse 38. It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise uh, is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. 
Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I want us to notice a few things about baptism because we practice here believers' baptism. And that is simply this, the only believers are baptized. Only believers. If baptism is for believers only, and we'll see this from the following scriptures, then a couple things cannot really take place. Number one, infants cannot be baptized or should not be baptized, maybe the better way of saying that. And unbelievers should not be baptized. Now, this is something that is probably going to rub some the wrong way, and I apologize if, if the Word of God offends. Actually, I don't. It's God's Word, not my Word. So. But as we look into this, infants cannot believe, and therefore ought not to be baptized. They have not yet developed or matured their mind to the point where, uh, uh, and their will to the point where they voluntarily accept Jesus as their Savior. They, we, we ought not, and this is why we do not practice. Now, I've had people ask me before, will you uh, do a baby dedication? Absolutely. I think baby dedications are wonderful. But here's the thing, I'm not necessarily dedicating that baby, I'm dedicating you, the parents, to a big job with that baby. And the questions are going to come to you. Are you going to raise this child in this way? Are you going, listen, it is not, a, a baby dedication is not about bringing a baby going, okay, Lord, uh, have everybody pray for it, and uh, hopefully it'll get saved when it's older, and uh, hopefully they'll serve you for the rest of their life. And then we go on about our business thinking that that's the end of it. No, 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 no. To dedicate is to set something apart. And so guess what? As I am raising little Johnny and little Susie, they have been set apart for God, which means that as I, their parent, and helping them with their schedule, I'm helping them at school. I'm helping them in their life, making sure that they put the first thing first. No, son, you're not going to be on that team because they practice baseball every single Sunday and they skip every single... You know, no, son, we're not going to go down that road. You have been set apart. You have been dedicated to God. You, my son, I'm going to put in God's house first. A lot of people don't want to hear that. But it is our job as we set something apart and we designate something, it's our responsibility to make sure that that was designated. Uh, my wife and I, we, we do the envelope budgeting system. And I, when I was young and uh, um, I got started in this with Crown Financial Ministries, and I used to, used to literally carry envelopes around. And I, to this day, we still try to handle cash as much as possible because here's the interesting thing. Cash, you know, if you go to the grocery store and you plan on spending 50 bucks and the tab ends up going uh, to 75, what do we do? We pull that check card out and we go, that's okay, you know, but if you go with 50 bucks and you're standing there with $50 cash and you look at the register and it goes, dink, 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 75, huh? I guess I don't need the ho-hos. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you can put the Mountain Dew back too. It's not a necessity. Hey, honey, we need the diapers. <laughs> 
leave, leave the diapers there. Yeah, the 50 bucks is now the determining factor, right? And what we do when we do those type of uh, budgeting systems, we have certain envelopes designated for certain things. There's the gas envelope, uh, gasoline envelope. <laughs> There's the uh, uh, entertainment envelope, the food envelope, you know, the grocery envelope, the so forth and so on. So when I go to the grocery store, I take the grocery envelope. But the kids say, hey, can we go out to eat on the way home? Sure. So I get the eating out envelope only to notice there's only $3 in there. Dollar menu, kids, right? But then we have to do something if we want to follow through with going out to eat. We have to go to the other envelopes, and we have to rob from Peter to pay Paul. And so I have to look at the other envelopes and say, okay, we're going to take money from groceries? No, that money's been set aside for groceries. We're going to take money from gasoline? No, that money's set aside for gasoline. You see, it's been designated already for a purpose. Back to baptism. Baptism does not save, but it announces something to everybody around. I am now set apart. I'm different. The old me is gone. The new me is walking from this point forward. Every occurrence of baptism in the book of Acts is preceded by faith or by some synonym of faith. We just were in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. Uh, Acts chapter 8 Uh, Verses 12 through 16 refers to Simon himself believed and was baptized. In Acts chapter 8, verse 37, the Ethiopian eunuch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, In Acts chapter number 10, verse 47, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Baptism came after the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Don't let anybody tell you that you have to be baptized in order to receive the Holy Spirit. Don't let anybody tell you that. Here's evidence that they received the Holy Spirit and were baptized next. Not a second thing. Uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 17. God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed. Uh, verse uh, Chapter 16, verse 14 to 15, talking about the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The baptism came later. Um, uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 31 and 33, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Salvation came. There was no reference to to, uh, having to get baptized in order to be saved. Um, Acts chapter 18, verse 8, believed, past tense, and then were baptized. Acts chapter 19, verse 5, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Upon hearing this, they were baptized. Acts chapter 22, verse 16, get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. Now, I want you to understand the context of that one because I was thinking someone's going to pull that puppy up. I want you to see the context. In Acts chapter 22, go ahead and turn over there. I love the sound of pages turning. Let 
Look at Acts chapter 22. Notice there verse 16. And it says, And now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord? I want you to understand the context of this. Go back with me, if you would, to verse 6. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light around me, and I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake unto me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go to Damascus, and there it will be told thee all the things which are appointed for thee to do. If you are to look at this in the context, Paul responds to the call of God before this uh, uh, opportunity of baptism comes about. You go back to the story of Paul himself. He is recounting the story here. And so the context, uh, it appears that Saul called upon the name of the Lord previously and now needed to be baptized because he had. In every case, though, the person believed and then was baptized. And I believe that's because baptism is for believers only. But now, let's look at the picture, and why it is that we practice it this way. Let's put some water out, and you've got water along the, uh, along the baptismal pool, right? And then what happens? Someone comes into the baptistry, and they walk down in, and they're standing in the baptism, baptismal. And here they are, they're happy to be standing there in front of all their friends and their loved ones, their, their neighbors, the, uh, their church family, those who possibly even uh, w- played an instrumental part in leading them to the Lord. And they're standing there, and they're making the picture of the cross. They're saying that I believe that Christ died for my sins, but not only that, I have been crucified, and we are associating with the death of Jesus Christ. And when we go under the water, we're saying, I believe that Jesus was buried for my sins, and just like Jesus was buried, just as he died and was buried, my old self, I have died to myself, and the old self is now buried. And when we come back up out, see, we don't hold you down long, we bring you back up. Praise the Lord. We come back up, we're saying, I believe that Jesus rose again. And just as Jesus rose again, I too am raised to walk a new life. Go back to Acts chapter, or to Romans chapter 6 again. And see this the way Paul said it. Acts chapter number 6, look at verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? This death, when a person gets saved, they die to themselves. Paul said it in, uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians. He said that uh, the old has passed away. Anybody who is in Christ, the old has passed away. And so by, by this uh, 
picture of baptism, I am saying I am identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. The old person is dead. I'm now a new creature. Now, the burial, uh, when we go continue to read that, it says, know you not that the, so many of us were baptized in Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. You notice that? Christ was buried and we too are burying our old self. When Jesus died, the believer died with him. So when Christ was buried, the believer was buried with him too. You know how an easy way for us to understand whether or not we have truly, truly died to self is how easy is it for us to get offended? How easy is it for us to get our our hackles raised, so to speak? I was talking to some of the kids not too long ago. They come up to me, Pastor Andy, so-and-so's doing this. And it's not fair to the rest of us. You know, our first instinct is to go out there. That's right, it's not fair, and I'm going to take care of business and make sure that they treat you with... And I thought to myself, hmm. So I asked, I said... "Um, You know, when we get upset and we complain, it's generally because we're only thinking about ourselves in that moment. You see, I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead. I have no feelings to hurt. The old me is buried. My old appetites are dead. My old appetites are gone. This is a regular thing that I have to reckon in my mind. I have to remind myself regularly, I am dead to that. I am dead to that. I'm no longer going to live in that. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And he says there in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. This is the picture that baptism brings. Now, being alive again or this raised to walk in newness of life, when Jesus arose from the grave, the believer rose with him. Therefore, he or she has a new life. So baptism, therefore, is a public profession, a public announcement, a public act to tell everyone that I am dead to myself, raised to live for him. How does the believer get into the picture? At the moment of salvation, we are united with Christ. United with him. In the Greek, it literally means grown together. And you see there in verse 5 of chapter 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We have been united with him. Galatians 2.20 says it this way, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. 
and the life that I now live, (laughs) I live by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the picture in baptism. Well, Pastor, why you got such a big deal about baptism? I mean, who, who really cares if someone gets wet or someone doesn't get wet? Who gets wet and who doesn't get wet? Who, who really cares? Well, going back to the original, I said the, I gave you a definition of what baptism was. And it's simply this, it's a command. If I have died to myself to live for him, I'm going to follow his commands. It's a command for a believer. Those of us who claim to be born again by the Spirit of God, who have placed our trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, here we go. Hey, in Jesus Christ, not in Jesus and. We got to be careful with that. We're not adding Jesus to whatever else we want to believe. Jesus said it this way. He said, I am the way, not a way. I am the truth, not a truth. I am the life, not another type of life. No man can come to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. That's it. And so baptism being a command from my Lord and Savior. A lot of people are happy to claim him as their Savior, but to make him Lord of their life. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, it's, he can take me to heaven, but I don't want him telling me what to do on Mondays. I mean, Mondays are my day after all, right? Everything in Scripture points to Christ. Everything from the beginning of the book to the end of the book points to Jesus Christ, His work, and His glory. And this beautiful picture that is given to us in baptism is no exception. So, let's make it practical here. Come in. First, Have you seen what Christ has done? Have you seen it? The picture that baptism gives to us is a beautiful picture. Christ died for you, according to the Scriptures. Christ was buried, and He rose again, according to the Scriptures. And this is verifiable. The apostles said, and he was seen. Not just of a few people, but of over 500 at one time. They bore witness to it. And we too bear witness to what Jesus did when we stand in that water and we say, he died for me. And I'm going to die to self and live for him. So have you seen what Christ has done? Baptism is simply an outward picture of an inward reality because of salvation.
I use my wedding ring a lot because I'm proud of my wedding ring. I'm proud of that. You know what I had to do to convince her? That's the, man, you want to talk about hard work. Woo! And she's still working on me. And I'm proud to be married to her. But just because I take that off doesn't change the fact of what took place. I am united with her. And this is a symbol that I wear with pride to let people know I'm married. Just like baptism is something that I love and I so enjoy. And I encourage everyone who has seen Christ, everyone who has found that relationship with Him to enjoy. Baptism is not part of, nor is it connected to your salvation in any way. It does not say but it reveals who does. It points to the one. So, without editing, without adding to or taking away from, simply put, I am dead to everything else and I'm going to live for Him only. This is why we practice baptism. The way we practice it with whom we practice it. It is an association with the one that we love because he loved us. So have you seen him? Have you professed him? If not, why not? What would hold you back? from wanting to pronounce and announce to the entire world, to proclaim to the entire world. He died for me. And that's enough for me. Father, I come before you asking that you would work in the hearts and the lives of people today. God, I know that I can sometimes muddy waters, and I pray, Lord, that I was clear in my presentation. And Father, as we spend just a moment here in prayer, I pray that if there's any today that do not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that you would spur in their hearts a desire to come to know you. I pray, Lord, that you would grab hold of those who have professed a life with you that perhaps have not followed through with believers' baptism for whatever reason is holding them back. I pray, Lord, that you would work in their hearts as well to see the value and the excitement of making their first public proclamation, I am his. 
And Father, that we would live lives completely given to Him and nothing else. We pray these things, Father, in Your Son's name because You and You alone are worthy of our attention, our focus, and our praise. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Andy Lake, Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.